Welcome back to Lords of Order, a DC Doctor Fate fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore. This is episode 48, and the issue we will be talking about is All-Star Squadron Annual 3 from 1984. That will make perfect sense as to how we jump from 1941 to 1984 as far as books here in a moment. But if you have other questions that I will not answer by the end of this episode... You can ask them by sending an email to the Dr. Fate Podcast at gmail.com. Leaving a question at bigtimenoise.com slash Dr. Fate or comments on the Google Plus and Facebook pages of Lords of Order. Now, All Star Squadron Annual 3 was written by Roy and Dan Thomas, colored by Gene D'Angelo, lettered by Cody, and I believe it's L. Lois Buhalis. With inks by Mike Mocklin, Bill Collins, Frank Jacoya, and Joe Giella. Now the story, this one has two framing sequences. Okay, the outer framing sequences were drawn by Jerry Ordway. My assumption is they were also written by Roy and Dan. The inner framing sequences. Uh, opening and closing, both, were drawn by Rick Hoberg. The Dr. Fate portion of the story that I'll get to was drawn by Keith Giffen. Now, the way it happens is that it's an all-star squadron story that involves the Tarantula and Wonder Woman. Okay, that is the main story. Within it is a story that involves the... Justice Society of America. That is the Rick Hoberg open and and closing framing sequences. Within that are separate stories, much like they did in All-Star Comics, of each heroes or a couple heroes, each running a particular mission. So I'll talk about framing, uh, the, the opening and closing sequences A and B, if you want to call them that, and Dr. Fate's story. And I would suggest you pick up and read All-Star Squadron Annual 3 to get the the stories of the other heroes. Now, on the cover, we see a large shadow uh, person towering over a city skyline. And this is by Hoberg and Ordway. Hoberg? Yeah, and Ordway. And the figure, uh, the shadow figure, apparently is the bad guy because he's being attacked by Superman, Batman, Green Lantern, Flash, Our Man, Doctor Fate, and Wonder Woman. And actually, on the cover here, it says something about, oh, I'm sorry, Rich Buckler. He must have been one of the other story artists, which each story has a little uh, name tag on it that tells you who drew it. But we open at midnight in Manhattan, late February 1942, in front of the Grand Wynn Hotel, which is a hotel for men only. Three gentlemen, one of which speaks uh, German-English, if you will, German-English. So you would assume then they are going to be Germans, and since this is 1942, probably Nazis, are running... And as they're running, one of them gets roped and yanked off his feet, and we see that it is none other than Tarantula 
the All-Star Squadron member, Tarantula, there have been multiples, who has roped him and jerked him down. Tarantula jumps up, takes after the other two that are still running, and, and is there running through the remains of a building that has fallen. Um, not sure really if it's due to what they have done or just natural decay, but as he's running, the tarantula crosses a, a threshold and trips on a lockbox. As he's lying there face down on the ground, the other two German agents pull down on him with their weapons, one of them saying, give the Führer's regard, regards to Ernst Rome." And then before they can do anything, they are surrounded by a golden lasso, and we see Wonder Woman is here, and she chastises the men for equating New York's resident web weaver with the head honcho of the original Nazi stormtroopers. And we see a note here from the um, writers saying, murdered with 200 others by Hitler's order on the night of June 30th, 1934. I have absolutely no knowledge of that. So that was a little bit of knowledge, as it were. So with the help of Wonder Woman, uh, Tarantula subdues these two agents, goes back to the lockbox, shakes it around, hears something in there. Wonder Woman rips it open, and inside is a folder that contains a list and some newspaper articles, clippings, pictures from the newspaper, just various clippings. So they go back to the Paris Sphere, which is the current headquarters of the All-Star Squadron. Uh, They took over a particular um, display thing that was built for one of the world's fairs in the late 30s in uh, Flushing Meadow. So whatever world's fair was there, the 19, probably 30-something world's fair. They took that over. The All-Star Squadron did as their headquarters. And Wonder Woman, who is a recent um, a recent addition, I believe, to the All-Star Squadron at this point, the way it's reading, also has a, um, a magic sphere that you can insert something into and the machine will tell you the history of whatever you insert into it. So they insert into the machine all the things from the folder, actually just the folder itself you see here in one part of the panel, the folder itself, and as the machine reads it and gives its history, uh, kind of a mechanical, what is it, psychometric is the ability to psionically tell the provenance or the history of an article, something like that, but it starts showing the history of the Justice Society which is the story that we just talked about in episode 46 from All-Star Comics 7, wherein the Justice Society was trying to raise money for war orphans. We also have, and I'll, I'll give these names out, for the individual stories that I did not mention, Keith Giffen did the Dr. Fate sequence. We have Rich Buckler Wayne Boring, Richard Howell, Carmen Infantino, Don Newton, Mart Nodell, and George Perez that all did 
other stories uh, in in the book of, of other characters, or a couple of them were, were duo characters. So, in this framing sequence uh, by artist Mike Hoberg, we see the JSA meeting, everybody coming in with their money. Remember, the three reserve members coming in to bail out Johnny Thunder. Then we get to the point here where Green Lantern is going to deliver the money to the president, and Dr. Fate asks to accompany him. Now, it's after midnight the AM of June 28, 1941. So this, this locates for us exactly when this story takes place. Green Lantern and Fate, Dr. Fate, uh, travel to D.C. to drop off the money. Just as they get to the White House, they intercede in an attack of shadowy figures against Roosevelt, who is in bed. Dr. Fate recognizes the characters, uh, kind of. And after Green Lantern and Fate dispatch the shadowiness of the figures, we see that the remnants, what is left behind, are a couple humans who are wanted criminals. They have pictures in the post office, according to Green Lantern. Dr. Fate searches their memory, forces their memory, actually, to find out who they are working for, and they confirm his suspicion that they are working for none other than Ian Carkel, who we remember was the bad guy that was turned into Shadow and could only take Shadow, was only existed in Shadow form. As the men are giving away what knowledge they have, they burst into flame and are immolated. In trying to save them, Green Lantern manages to save a piece of paper, a list from one of the pockets of the men. Everything else is gone. And on the list, uh, ten locations around the country, starting with the White House, and behind each place, the name of some old enemy of a JSA -er or some other mystery man. So it's almost like a, uh, a checklist of you go here, B go there, C go there, and the letters A, B, C, D, whatever, are uh, arch enemies, shall we say, of JSA members or other mystery men. And we will understand that distinction here, here in a little bit. So the Green Lantern and Dr. Fate realize that Ian Carkle is up to something. They just rescued the president, so they know it's something pretty serious. They jet back to Gotham City, which is where the JSA headquarters are. There, they relay what information they have, and the group breaks up to find, question, and I guess potentially subdue the different peoples that are on the list that apply to them. Okay? We have... Well, the bad guys we can see here are Dr. Doog, the Catwoman, Sewer Satan, Wotan, Zor, the Lightning Master, Alexander the Great, and the Tarantula. And so the appropriate heroes decide that they're going to tackle their nemeses. Uh, Flash with Sewer Satan, Alexander from... 
Our Man, it looks like. Batman and Catwoman. Spectre and Zor. Superman and Lightning Master. Sandman with Adam helping him tackling Tarantula. So that leaves uh, Green Lantern, Johnny Thunder, and Dr. Fate there. We then cut to the, the, the viewer machine cuts to Ian Karkle as he is dispatching the aforementioned group of bad peoples to execute his Ian Karkle's will. Since he's not able to do anything physically, his new thing is to find henchmen and set them against the different uh, missions that he wants to accomplish. So we go through all of the different heroes. The final hero detailed is Dr. Fate. He has wound up tracking Ian Karkle to the Caribbean Sea. There's a massive storm occurring that in the middle of the day is just absolutely blotting everything out to look like the darkest midnight, according to him. Seas are rough. Seas are horribly rough. Uh, He encounters a cargo ship, which is kind of interesting because in the most recent issue of Dr. Fate, or the last most recent issue, issue three, uh, the current Dr. Fate was attacked by a cargo ship. So, kind of a, a interesting occurrence there in, in our coverage. But fate instead rescues this ship from the seas uh, that are the, the storm and everything that is just creeping up. Sets it into a you know a, a nice calmer part of the ocean. Continues to track Ian Karkle's mystical signature as Karkle had something to do with this storm. Traces that energy all the way back to Long Island, New York. A house there. Goes into the house, and as he phases through the wall of the house, he feels as though it's a trap. The mansion's walls were created to drain me of my power, my strength, even as I pass through them. And then inside the house, he finds everything in the house, even though it has the normal things, furniture and carpet and everything like that, it's all made of flesh. That's kind of nasty. And, sure enough, Ian Karkle is there. He attacks Doctor Who by attempting to convert Doctor Who? Wow. Sorry, guys. Doctor Fate. He attempts to convert Doctor Fate to shadow, like himself, by surrounding Fate in shadow and, I guess, seemingly absorbing him. At the last moment before Fate is completely covered, he looks and sees in Fate's eyes the symbols of the Ankh. And just as he notices those symbols, the mask of Dr. Fate adheres to the skin as if it's a second layer of skin. And then everything explodes outwards in a blindingly unearthly flash of light. A light so dazzling, so eerily brilliant that even the jet black form of Ian Karkle is swallowed up by an abyss of whiteness. And then when Karkle's eyes clear and he can look, he can see, rather, the entire Justice Society of America Plus is there. We have Dr. Fate, who is already in residence here, Robin Batman, Sandman, Adam, Johnny Thunder, um, Green Lantern, 
Flash and his girlfriend, Joan Garrick, Starman and Dr. Midnight, Spectre, Superman and Lois Lane, Hawkman and Hawkgirl. So some single heroes in the preceding stories, some multiple people stories were there. But the last of his energy before he was about to go out, Naboo was able to teleport the entire Justice Society there. Now, that's interesting because normally we don't see Batman, we won't see Flash, we don't see Superman as part because they're honorary members, reserve members in essence. But we see them here. Spectre, Green Lantern, and Starman attack Karkle with their various energies. In order to evade or overcome them, Karkle starts to grow. In response, the Spectre grows, continuing to pummel Karkle with... Uh, blue force beams from Spectre's eyes until Karkle explodes, releasing multiple shadowy bodies, but also bathing all of the members of the Justice Society in some kind of energy or or particle beams or, or something that causes all of them to feel different things. We then go through and address uh, issues that the group currently has. Okay, Dr. Fate collapses from having almost succumbed to Karkle's attack. Decides that with everything that's going on and how he feels now, he needs to retire back to the Tower of Fate and really assess who he is and what he's doing. Um, our man, yes, our man, uh, needs to retire from this situation to check into the effect that the Miraclo that he takes that gives him his powers is having on him. He feels that it is having some adverse effects as well as increasing his strength and stamina and everything like that, uh, for an hour a day as it does. Green Lantern because of some things that happened this mission, feels the he is not capable of holding down all the different things he's doing, so he removes himself from the Justice Society, from chairmanship, and tells Hawkman, who he's talking to, oddly enough, Hawkman, that he is resigning, at, that they need to uh, secure a new chairman. As everyone flies off, Superman makes the comment, for the Justice Society's sake and for humanities, I hope he does find a way, he, Dr. Fate, to continue as Dr. Fate without being taken over by the helmet. And the Flash says, I know I'm a little better than you do, Superman, and I'm betting he does. And we see a editor's note here. See All-Star Squadron 23 for the development of this tale. And that issue I will be covering in episode 50. Oddly enough, there was a story that takes place before that that has been written. So that story, what Dr. Fate does, and I believe it involves the full mask, half mask transition that we recently or I recently noted in um, more fun comics. So everybody else takes off And we see in the wreckage of the house a folder, 
addressed assignments for 62841 to be destroyed after reading. And there's a, a series of pictures and newspaper clippings there. Now, I assume that that folder is this same folder that Tarantula and Wonder Woman have found. Wonder Woman and Tarantula discuss, you know, what they know now, what should they do with the knowledge. They come to the conclusion that there's really not anything. Everything has been concluded. Any secrets about who anybody is or anything like that that they have, they just have to keep to themselves. And in the end, we see this, the, the clippings that were in this folder, and they turn out to be clippings that contain pictures and articles about Dwight Eisenhower, Gerald Ford, Harry Truman, Kennedy, Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan, Jimmy Carter, and Lyndon Johnson. So all are going to be future presidents. So that was Karkle's plan was to start. Somehow he had been able to see into the future and he was going to take out future presidents for the next uh, many years. What is that? 40, 40 or 50 years there that they were going to get. Now, next episode, I will be talking about DC 2000, issue 1, that came out in the year 2000, interestingly enough. So I'll read that, and then I'll talk to you guys next time for episode 49. Catch you then. Ciao. Lords of Order is a Teal production. And as such, is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, non-derivative 3.0 unported license. <laughs>